Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out, space. Out, space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one. Boarding parties. Written by Lahiria. Mr. President, how do you propose they build up a navy before the Klaxons arrive in orbit around Earth and blockade us until we die of starvation or agree to their terms? Great question. I intend to steal theirs. I will see you after the war. Unlike most of his friends, Jackson's nerves were always calm before a mission, except for this one. Probably because missions didn't usually entail hurtling oneself through open space towards a bunch of pieces of metal with guns that did not want him there. Jackson knew neither why he had proposed this plan nor why anyone had agreed to it. But right now, he was wishing they hadn't. Omega Team, you are go for launch. Repeat, go for launch. Before his nerves could tell him not to, Jackson deactivated his safety lock and pushed off the moon, just as his friends did the same. And days or hours earlier, his comrades had done on Mars and various asteroids under merchant ships scattered across the inner planets, all timed perfectly to arrive at the exact same time on their targets. As he floated through open space, his squad made silent masses nearby. He realized that for the first time in years, he was completely alone. His radio was deactivated to avoid detection, and there were no lights on his suit, nor that of any of the others soaring through the void beside him. Angelina wouldn't hear him curse, Jacob wouldn't hear him cry, and nobody would hear him scream. Hours later, after what felt like days, he touched down on the alien dreadnought orbiting around Earth. Just as the rest of the UN commando units made shipfall on their targets, Jackson got his bearings and, as one, man marched towards this prey. As ships throughout the blockade were overrun, technicians, engineers, scientists and pilots took the leap off the moon, ready to learn and hopefully commandeer the vessels now devoid of crew. Jackson silently jumped from his new ship to the next and within a day, the blockade on Earth was lifted, and man took to the stars. End of story. Story number two, Black Feather, written by Ballymaster. One of the most diverse planets in the system, Talon was blessed with over 50 out of the 78 official recognized microbiomes, a privately owned safari hunting experience completely leased out the planet due to the megalithic fauna. While other planets had produced creatures of intelligence or advanced examples of microbiology, Talon had produced a mighty world filled with creatures of fearsome might. Warrior races, coming of age ceremonies, and unstable millions come to lay claim to the great pelts of the beasts that roam the vast lands, if they can stay alive. A 30 megaton year the mission has been identified coming from the elite course. Ra'Allah flitted over the technician's display in a flurry of feathers. The screen still had some afterplay from the colored expansion and had just lit up, sending an outdated tech into flicker of data. Ra'ala rapped with one of his talons and the display came back into focus. 
Any ID on the party? Hi, one of our two blue claw parties says it's the Volsnicks. Ra'ala stood up and ruffled his feathers in approval. They must have encountered Gremalon. Send out the update. No more 30-ton megaton yields this orbit. That was our last one. The biggest threat on the largest list of the orbit was the Jovian Earth Thresher gone berserk. Nicknamed Jelovi, an underground cyclone of teeth and poor judgment, it ate the entire Red Tail party and disappeared into the mountain range. Heshavad, Alarosa, and Gemalon were beasts just under the threat level of that creature. For any of them to be brought down with less than 30 megaton yield would be quite a feat. Most parties stayed for weeks, if not months, many returned empty-handed. Chirps and cracking talons filled the room as the technicians enacted their update order. The central nest issued the order of the overseeing branches immediately surrounding it, each branch overseeing one of the macrobiomes. Bledgling rangers scurried into action, each one of them taking printed commands from the circular order hub and dropping out of chutes in the air outside. Most of the war parties used the lift. Poor fellows. Ra'ala watched proudly as one of his favorite cadets caught a particularly feisty updraft when went careening into the desert region. Cheeky little guy. The sharp clack of the hindclaw on the deck brought all the technicians to attention, along with Ra'ala. His manager, an old, gray-feathered Rognar, was staring at Ra'ala with one good eye. Ra'ala kept his beak forward. Corvin! Corvin strutted over to Ra'ala, then laughed. Get the splint off your wing, boy. This isn't the academy. What was that about a quota? We're out already. Ra'ala relaxed. Aye, three from the red-tailed Duvac party, one from the amateur yellow-beak Lish party, and just now from the Volshniks. Corvin nodded and preened his feathers absent-mindedly. Hmm, wish we could get more. What's the word on the black feather? He cocked his head to the side. We have a black feather on the roll right now. The old Rognogger huffed at him. You daft boy, weren't you on duty last night? Rala's feathers fell. Corvin sighed and he turned his good eye towards him. What were you doing? The party manager scuffed the floor with his talons. Shun Lei showed me some of the updrafts and... His face felt hot. We watched the sunset. The clacking and muted chirps in the room had ceased. Corvin turned to the eavesdropping technicians and squawked at them. Back to work, you're like a bunch of nest hens. Get me any readings on the black feather. He turned back to Rala and dropped his voice. You're an example, boy. Play the part, and you'll have plenty of time to spend with the chicks in a few orbits. Rala fluttered away over to the live party wall, eager for a change of subject. He looked over at the bone carved symbols laying on the rest of the hooks. Yellow beak, red tail, blue core, green eye, he paused. Black feather. Thorngar stamped over, ruffling up his plumage this way warm. Aye, I got a notice last night. Came in just before sunset. Came from... Uh, he scanned the room. That lad with a bright orange crest. Ra'ala made his way over to the technician, mentally kicking himself for missing the arrival of the party. Lad, the black feather party last night. How many are in it? Two, sir. Ra'ala frowned, then checked the lad's recorded desk. He was telling the truth. Ra'ala stood and cocked his head. Parties of two were incredibly rare, if not unheard of. The old Rongar was beside him, nodding sagely. They don't like to make a lot of noise, those ones. Lad, did they state their target? 
No, sir, they didn't state anything. They just grabbed their reactors and left. Corvin cackled. Ten megaton yield identified from Yellow Beak Party. Ra'ala waved absently. Yes, recorded. Do we know where they went? Any emission records? The mapping technician shook his head. No, sir. I can map a path from most of the other parties, but the Black Feather Party hasn't set up a single emission. Ra'ala frowned his brow. The beasts that roamed the planet were a veritable monsters, some the size of a small mountain. It would take at least five megaton blasts to even cripple one of the current seasonal life targets. Corvin stalked over to the open window and looked out. I bet they're after the one with the blood ravens. Ra'ala scoffed and fluttered over to the stand beside him. There haven't been any recorded sightings of them in the past few hundred cycles. Doesn't mean that they're all gone. Remember when we thought the Kara too was dead? Didn't even think about her until she broke from the ground with a whole new brood. He was forced to agree. However, it was too far-fetched. Even if there were still some alive, the Brad Ravens were the most cunning and agile of all hunters. An apex predator on a planet, they were inspiration for the whole operation. He looked over at a single black feather hung high above the other's trophies and a live party wall, where the parties were required to submit proof of their kill. That one artifact was the one proof that the Blood Ravens even existed. Ra'ala ruffled his feather. Doesn't mean they'll get one. I think they'll be out in a few weeks and be back in a few Tynex skulls and something along those lines. No stated target suggests it's a luxury hunt. Corvin didn't say anything. The sun lowered as he managed his technicians carefully under the watchful eye of his superior. Emissions were recorded, party locations tracked, and target claims established. Twilight had just taken hold of Central Nest when the mapping technician called out, Sir, I have a proximity reading on the black feathers. Ra'ala turned, confused. Range? The technician looked confused. It says they're within a hundred meters. That doesn't make any sense, though. Ra'ala turned to Corvin. I was serious about us needing new equipment. The, the lift opened and the two beings stepped out. One held a reactor and the other one held a chipped and gnarled tooth the size of his forearm. He couldn't tell the difference between their bodies and their camouflage, mottled paints covering their bare torsos, and the scattered collection of local flora and seamlessly melded to their bodies in all directions. Some type of mesh crisscrossed with the chests, arms, and pants into which the plants were woven. Ra'ala would have thought that two clumps of underbrush had somehow gotten into and turned on the lift if it wasn't for the two sets of brown eyes staring at him. Ra'ala didn't quite know what to do, and was relieved when Corvin approached the hunters. Have a good hunt, lads. One of the bushes removed his hood and nodded. Ra'ala couldn't tell if it was a rotund face was painted or not. It was so dark. Tight, curled black hair clung tightly to the being's scalp, and its eyes stood out in an abrupt contrast to the tone around it. The reactor, the being set the reactor on the ground as Ra'ala came to. Did a malfunction, we didn't record any emissions. The human shook his head. Too loud, Spokane? The other human pulled back his hood and walked to the live party wall, where it set down the enormous tooth it held. This one had flat, glossy black hair with what just passed its ears and a compliment its high cheekbones. Kill the Jalovi, the land eater, its body is. He strode over to the mapping technician and peered at his monitor and then pointed. Right there. You can sell it if you want. We don't want it. 
Rahala struggled to comprehend, saw to the right private collector or museum a properly preserved Javodian earth thresher could fund the genesis of a small colony. Why, uh, why don't you want it? Too much trouble, got what we came for. The bee walked back over to his companion. But how did you get it? Did you didn't utilize the reactor? The human stared at him. Then one of them, with the longer black hair, pulled something from his back. A length of something. Be it wood, metal, or some alien alloy was almost the length of the human's outstretched arm and tied together at both ends that bowed it out, making the shape of a half oval. The human pulled out a stick and had three feathers attached to it and the side point on the other. These placed the cord on the device and pulled back in a swift motion, pausing, and then reversed the action and returned the device to the holster at his back. Reactors too loud. We hunt with the bow, not bombs. Corvin patted Ra'ala on the back. Best not think about it too much. Let's send out the retrieval frog to collect the Dujolovi. I bet it went down in under five shots. Ja'ala stood in stupor. Had these two truly taken down a 70-plus meter earth thresher with their tiny sticks? It was beyond implausible. It was inconceivable. Small arms fire was ineffective, as was everything up to the point of heavy kinetic barrages or megaton emissions. The beast barely had any weak points, and even then... The humans were heading to the left, stoic and cold... Ra'ala shook his head as what they'd said earlier finally filtered through. Wait, what did you come here for? The dark-skinned one paused, then pulled out of cloth from the holster on his leg. Unfurling it, he gingerly lifted the contents of that for Ra'ala to see. Corvin chittered excitedly. I told you, lad. A dark, half-meter-long feather slowly unfurled and glinted in the twilight. Glossy black with a bright crimson interruption that jarred the senses. The feather was an epitome of primitive beauty. Perfectly parallel barbs put his own plumage to shame, while the quill reflected a high and polished chrome. It was too pristine to be real. His throat went dry. Did you get it? The human gently rolled the feather and returned it to place. Of course not. Only a fool would do so. Ra'ala stood perplexed as the lift began to close in front of the humans. He had many questions. Why had they let it live? Why even come to hunt it in the first place? Why did they want the feather? Would they sell it or lock it away? Yet, he couldn't ask a single one. The lift shut, and then the humans were gone. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode, and I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.